Geekscapists, welcome to a brand new Geekscape podcast. If this is your first Geekscape, welcome. I'm Jonathan London. Have a seat. I hope you're relaxing. I hope you have something to drink. This is our podcast. And each week, I like to sit down and talk to somebody involved in movies, video games, comic books, pop culture, and talk about storytelling. Talk about where those stories come from. Who makes them and like what inspires you to make stories. We're all uh, geeks and storytellers here at Geekscape. And we like to uh, kind of discuss this process. Uh, sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's sad, sometimes it's in-depth, but it's always honest. And that's what we try and do here at Geekscape. Uh, if this is not your first podcast uh, with us... Sorry it's taken me a while. A couple things happened after Comic-Con Geekscapists. We went into our crowdfunding campaign for Stalking LeVar, our new uh, short film. And I really want to say thank you to everyone who made that successful for us. We are greenlit. Um, We got the money to make a short film. And I'm excited about it. You may not have always been excited about it. It may have been annoying to get messages uh, from us to ask for money. And it's something that I've tried to avoid for a long time. And you know, if you've been with us for 12 years, that I have not asked for a whole lot. We've given lots of articles and podcasts and uh, all sorts of stuff. We've made movies, but we don't ask for a whole lot. Um, and, it, you know, I'm really grateful that you guys came out and helped support a short film you may not know a whole lot about, except that it has some Star Trek reference to it. So I really appreciate the faith. And I think that once we've filmed and everything and cut it up and put it out to festivals, it's something that you guys will be proud of and that your happy has the Geekscape name on it uh, because we are all a part of this, uh, whether or not you're a new Geekscapist or a longtime Geekscapist. The other thing that's going on right now is that PAX West was this past weekend. So if you are not subscribed to Geekscape Games, you got to get over there and start listening to the podcast. Derek, Mika, Courtney, and Jake have been there all weekend and they experienced everything there was at PAX. And then they recorded podcasts each night at like 1 a.m. It may not have been the best atmosphere for recording a podcast. They were pretty tired and delirious and... Whatever. It's fun to listen to, I think, and they go through every game in detail that they experience. So if you're really into video games, uh, that's some pretty good PAX West coverage. There will also be a lot of written content up on the site from those guys, and there's some up there already. So if you're into video games, check out Geekscape.net. Check out the Geekscape Games podcast for more of that PAX West coverage. What else? Oh, yeah, so we went into the crowdfunding campaign post-Comic-Con, and then uh, I got really sick. (laughs) Not like I was going to die, But I got a cold that just would not go away. And you guys know that summer colds are the worst. It's terrible when the weather is beautiful outside as it often is here in Southern California. But it's summer and you just want to go outside and you've got a freaking cold. And then it won't go away for a long time. And I took it with me to Texas. And it was still kind of here when I came back. And it was a mess. And if you listen to the episode before this, you definitely hear the ravages of having a cold. Um, So that's that. MC Chris, he's my guest this week. Uh, I knew about MC Chris going into the interview. My good friend George said, why don't you have MC Chris on the show? I said, that'd be great if you could set it up because I'm definitely a fan of MC Chris's. I'm not the most well-versed in MC Chris. I know about MC Chris. Uh, We've had Mega Ran and MC Lars and those guys on the show before. So I knew about uh, the whole Nerdcore thing. Um, But... Chris is somebody that when I started researching was like, oh, I don't accept that moniker. Or at least he didn't early on. I guess he does now. 
Chris was very much still like uh, an enigma to me, <laughs> um, but I appreciated his uh, place in the nerdcore in the pop culture landscape, and we had a lot of mutual friends. So I was like, yeah, there's definitely somebody I want to have on the show. Um, and I was nervous, like you will hear me nervous at the beginning of this episode. Uh, as we start to talk, we're kind of feeling each other out because he doesn't know anything about me. I only know what I've read about him. And on top of that, there's wind. We're recording on the top of uh, his roof, and I hadn't checked the settings properly. And so the first three or four minutes, bear with me, uh, the audio is not as good as it is right after I catch it. And the rest of the interview is awesome. Um, but those first couple minutes, beyond like the, just the sound of being on top of a roof, um, we're, we're just kind of figuring it out, and what's awesome is, once we get through that little bit of this is who you are, this is who I am, let's really start talking. And in the end, I fucking love MC Chris. He made a huge fan of me, and, uh, and I would consider us friends. <laughs> As you will hear, we get into some pretty intense stuff. Uh, obviously, anybody who talks Star Wars with me is a good friend, but... Um, but we get into it. We get into a lot of the stuff he's been through, and we talk uh, uh, both the pop culture stuff and the real stuff. You may, you may not be able to differentiate at this point. I just realized <laughs> you might be like, "Wait, that ain't the real stuff." Uh, sometimes I myself don't know the difference between the reality and the fantasy. But what I'm saying is, when you listen to this episode. You're going to be listening to us talk about pop culture and music and art. And then things are going to get real. And they're going to go places. And I'm super proud of the conversation. And super, super, super grateful to Chris that he trusted us enough to go there. And, uh, and, and have this conversation with us. Because, again, like we may be a lot of things geekscapists. But what I really want it to be is honest. And I want to have an honest platform with you guys. So you can express yourselves, and I can express myself, and that's the way it works here. So welcome to Geekscape, if this is your first time. If not, boy, do I feel better, <laughs> and I love coming back and doing more episodes, so expect them to get back on schedule now. Uh, love you guys, enjoy this episode, and go see MC Chris on tour this fall, and pick up his new album, which he reveals the name of for the first time on this very episode. Enjoy. Uh, Geekscape, there's a little bit of wind because we're recording this on the roof of MC Chris's place. But, um, dude, welcome to Geekscape. Wow. This is such <laughs> a lovely Geekscape. It's, it's beautiful. We're just sitting out here. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know, MC Chris is a rapper, performer, animator, and I would argue that you've got some stand-up in you. A stand-up performer, improv performer? What I would, would you say, say so. Uh, I'm a frustrated improviser <laughs> who, who was trained uh, like a lot of people that you know and love at Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in New York City, but um, because I'm, you know, I tour a lot, I am not with any other people. I'm just by myself on stage. So, interacting with people is just me and the audience interacting with each other, and then also I'll come out and sometimes I'll talk about you know, Empire Strikes Back for like 15 minutes, or I'll talk about the the J- the Jabba, the Jabba Palace security and how it's lackluster for about like you know a half hour. And I don't know if you call that stand up comedy, stand up comedy, but like you know everyone's laughing, everyone's having a great time. But sometimes I'll just make a point. There won't be a punchline. I'm like, there's no joke here. This is just a <laughs> this is a gripe. It's an observation. This is a qualm. Um, was it the old uh, one that was in Hell's Kitchen, the old UCB where? Um, 
Yeah, it was the one that used to be the strip club, mm-hmm. and um, and then I went off to Atlanta to work for Cartoon Network, and then they lost that theater, and then they moved into the underneath Christie's. That, that was a. I remember seeing Patton Oswalt did a live reading of Jerry uh, Lewis's like clown in Auschwitz script. Mm-hmm. Remember that one, the the, the man who yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever. Like he did a live reading, and it was amazing because you know, all these comedians who would then end up being uh, bigger names. Ten years later, we're all doing this reading, and it was yeah. No, it was it was a really amazing place to be. It's how I got discovered by Adult Swim, and um, you know, my classmate was Chris Gethard. We we went through all three levels together, and uh, you know, my friends that I took classes with became the faculty of the school, Mm -hmm. and um, and then that became like a real kind of a became like a business that was kind of churning out stars, and that was a that was a thing that I totally missed out on. I just got trained, and then I got like. You know, picked up like like a like a football like a college would find a football guy and recruit. like recruit him and say like hey uh, come over to our team and like you don't even get a chance to like see what the world's like you're already moved from one thing to the next I think like yeah you were like the first prospect I was well there were two, there are two people that got onto Mad TV and there's some did his his show and it's like Access show right mm-hmm. yeah um, well. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, there are a couple of people that were breaking through that had worked at it a couple of years. I was maybe third generation, the f- like a third generation of people taking classes there, which is really, really early. That's, like, way in the beginning. Um, and it's like 2001, 2002. It's 2000. 2000. And, um, and so, yeah, and so, like, um, a lo- you get to see a lot of people. And it was always, like, I was an intern with on Tina Fey and Rachel Dratch's show. And, I mean... It, it is a little bit of a cult of celebrity because you you did get to see celebrities and that's why a lot of us were really you know stoked to be there because you'd see amazing people but you know you're also interested in learning that there was like a structure to um, to comedy or what there's one in many structures but it was a structure to comedy that um, that you could that I actually had already applied into my scripts because they taught like a three act kind of a three-beat structure and I had made a story in, in college that was three different stories and they all kind of led to one final group scene they call it an improv at the end and so I was already thinking like that so that style of thinking hold, hold just on. kind of fit into my Real thinking quick. I'm gonna make this way better and we're gonna get back to it okay that sounds so much better check 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 one two one <laughs> Keep two going. <laughs> I just said I just had to up the mics a you little bit turn off I was wind. like let's get that off of there Geekscape is this sounds way better doesn't it um, sorry about okay. that scapers no, sorry about that um I think there's we've always called them scapists uh, out of like an escapism yeah sort of extension. sorry escapists um so I'm glad I caught that um so you've got this training, but you said that you already. It was, I mean, I think that when you're inherently, I mean, it might tearing, be a kind of a subconscious, it's, like it's a subconscious thing. inherent way of thinking about yeah. plot structure and, and narrative, and it kind of maybe just reminds you that this is something that's inherent in us. When it, it, and a lot of UCB was like, "Don't think," and that was what was like over all the doors, and that was like the slogan. They kind of wanted to teach you everything and then have you like get rid of it all. It was a weird. Yeah. It was a kind of a weird process. That's what Yoda said, though. Yeah, you gotta unlearn what you've learned. Yeah. Because um, people can walk into the door with, especially if you are these like the funny kid. Were you the funny kid at school? Uh, there was another kid that was a funny kid. I was just like I was also funny, but I was but I wasn't thought I was never voted class clown, which always right. like pissed me off. Oh, you were, I was like that, I was like the, I was like the third tier comedian in school. I uh-huh. wasn't even first tier. What was that? What, you grew up near Chicago. Is I grew right? up thirty miles north of Chicago. Thir- thir- wait, there's something north of Chicago. Yeah, uh, like the suburbs where John Hughes would set all of his movies. Yeah, that's what kind of where I grew up. I, ju- I always thought that it was just a 
Where the hell is that giant lake? The you mean Great Lake, lake. Michigan? Lake Michigan. Um, well, that's that's, on, that's to the east of Chicago. East. Chicago okay. is on on the the shore of that lake. Yeah, oh, but there is no. Okay, got it. Uh, th- that shows you guys what I I grew up in the Your middle of Texas. Geography is bad. My geography is really but, bad. But that's right above you. It's right above Austin, yeah. Yeah, but isn't it funny how you have no idea what's going on in the rest of the world for a really long time? Well, I'm like, I just, I've never spent time in Chicago ever, but uh, great place to visit. But I would, yeah, you Keep don't, you don't, you wouldn't like to stay there. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I go back there. I love the pizza. I love that everyone's dressed in a very preppy way because I was just raised in a very preppy way. Yeah. So I get nostalgic for uh, preps. Like as Shermer, we call, Illinois. As we, as we called them in the 80s. That was the name of the place, Shermer, Shermer Illinois. Shermer, Illinois. Yeah. And so it's, I get, it's, a, it's a place where I go back to tap into nostalgia, which is like this infinite resource for storytelling and mm-hmm. songwriting. And so I love visiting pretty much once a year. And I get sad when buildings get torn down and there's changes to the town. And, and some of my um, stories take place in, in, you know, a thinly veiled version of Libertyville, which is the town I'm from. And um, so, you know, I love going there. I love where I come from. I was, ra- I was, I never moved around, so I was always in one place for 18 years. And it, and it has this picturesque Main Street, and there was a movie theater at the end of my block, and it was kind of like Main Street at, at Disneyland, and um, and I just loved growing up there. But the more you know, I grew up, the more I realized there was kind of some hidden racism and <laughs> and some oh, no. and some bigotry and some you know we always had these red we always had these. Uh, Redneck barbers, we called them, where we got our hairs, or where we got our hairs cut. Yeah, um, and they had all this crazy stuff and stickers and stuff on the walls and stuff. And it'd be like, "Die, Jane Fonda, you communist bitch." Well, it'd be like on this bumper sticker, and my mom would be like, uh, "Just a little off the sides," and it would be like, "This is so weird." But my childhood was very strange in that uh, it was Catholic, but also really dirty, like super dirty, because of all the movies that were sure. out. I I worship SNL. And uh, so I loved Caddyshack and, and Stripes and all these things. And I love these guys. These were my heroes. So I got to hear swears very early. I got to see boobs very early. And I think it kind of turned me into MC Chris. And maybe this barbershop kind of turned me into MC Chris, too, because I was, like, seeing all this cr- crazy yeah. adult stuff. And it's a very antagonism, too. And, I mean... Doesn't Dan Aykroyd get a blowjob from a ghost or have sex with yeah, a ghost? Yeah, that was my childhood. Like, I was like, watching blowjobs. Yeah, and then I was just listening to one of our podcasts because they're at PAX West and this they're is talking. A fun conversation. Well, they're talking about leisure. They're talking about Leisure Suit Larry and these young kids. I didn't love know, Leisure Suit Larry. They had Larry. no idea that they were like. I think that this is the the first or fourth first dirty epi- cartoon. This this is the like, and I was like, holy shit! I toured with this band called Holy Holy Bread. They had old dirty yeah. cartoons that were that were worse than Leisure Suit Larry. Where you're actually it was actually X-rated. They had they're, no they're, idea ex, they're X-rated computer games from like the Absolutely. 80s. They're so bad. Everyone and, should look that up. And people just you just you just played them and you didn't I never it, played it, them. It, I pl- you that was like snuff films <laughs> in my little Larry. clean town of Libertyville. <laughs> Le- Le- Nothing X-rated entered my town. It you found with a quiz. in the woods and it was half a sheet as if yeah. someone had just masturbated in a <laughs> frenzy and then ripped the magazine apart when they were done. <laughs> who was the person who did that? Because there were always pornos in the woods. Oh, thank God. Too. And they were all rained on and, and dried out and, dried out and, and faded. Yet someone still used it. Yeah, well, I remember just looking at pictures of naked women and, th- and just being curious about anatomy and also to be like pointing at things, be like, that's the tit and that's the pussy. And we'd be like, yeah. Everybody's high racing fives. to be an authority. What? Everybody's racing to be like the authority at like the lunch table. Well, remember there was that one guy who was the authority? 
Yeah. <laughs> this is a guy who yes. he always like he smoked and he was a transfer from a school in the next town. <laughs> and he grew facial and hair he, before and anybody he, else. And he fucked too. And you were like, how? Why? Why are you tall? <laughs> but he was only because he was held back, and that's why he was so big. Mongo. It's like, oh god. And he had this inherent rage. Yeah. It's but like he got the fuck on the weekend. Everything we're not getting, and you're still. I got Lady angry. J, and you're touching titties. Why do the people who are getting everything in high school still beat you up? What are they angry about? Like, I don't, I never understood. It's well, like it's these like guys. I, I had a baby and he's like really into sitting on my head, you know? And I think it's a dominance thing. Like, they, it's, it's, it's like a prison. I, thing. I always look at things like kind of um, like they do in Mean Girls, you know, through an anthro- anthropological lens. And you, th- and you look at everything that people do in terms of just them needing to exert dominance. And I'm, I got to show everybody I'm the big gorilla here. Sure. And, and, and it's just, it comes up in all kinds. And one thing I see on the road. I start, you know, I sit in a van a lot and I look at a lot of people because I'm just sitting there waiting for things to happen. And I watch a lot of people and I notice that people, um, like guys will spit if they walk by another person. And I think it's a little, it's a little display of uh, quick dominance, you know? And it's just like two dogs, like kind of going at each other when they're on a walk. You, you know? think they're, so like subconscious, like there's something in their we're primal. We're primal I feel like we're you primal at saliva, all times. You think their saliva just starts loading up when I, they're intimidated by when somebody I mean, else maybe comes maybe up. That's, and, I never even thought about that in terms of it being well, like sci- th- a scientific reaction. I think that's what you're proposing. Yeah, is that I think that is what I'm all, proposing. I love Geekscape. <laughs> I have a saliva <laughs> proposition I'd like to make. You're, <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a different subject. Oh, okay. We're going. Are we back on Leisure Suit Larry? No, no, no. no. <laughs> I remember bringing that home. My parents not like not knowing what it was. I'm like, they know nothing. <laughs> I well, take it to, in the basement. You had to take a quiz for the game to start. Oh yeah, what year were the, did it the was Beatles like, break up? When did Nick? When was Nixon president? What years did the Beatles break up? <laughs> because today you just Google the damn answers. But oh, back that then, that was hard to find out. You wasn't had it? to find out. And you like sheepishly ask your mom, "Hey, mom." Uh, <laughs> Speaking of mac and cheese, uh, what year was Nixon uh, <laughs> when was Nixon? <laughs> when, when, when was that? Because if you could, it, I think that game was either we want to make sure you're old enough to play this game, or smart, to smart some, enough to play. This we have game. to do something here. <laughs> we have to do we something all here. know this is for you, Timmy. And then, like the ultimate on, like the ultimate games came with like coins and a cloth. I remember that and shit. Like I was thinking, I, was, about I that think the other I didn't day. get into Ultima Four. Right, but I think I, I think I played an Ultima game. It's very ba- it's very in the back of my mind. Some things, so I've been I've been my last my new album is um, I really dived into this stuff because I toured this band called Ninja Sex Party and they were like unabash- we had Brian on the show unabashedly yeah. '80s. They and and I was like wow, acknowledging that the '80s existed to your audience because my audience is millennials and so they're all about Nickelodeon and Ninja Turtles and Pokemon and. Nothing that I know about. I mean, I right. literally don't know. I, I I like to promise them that I'll make an album about this stuff sometime, just as a thank you. But like, that's not me. I'm always You're not a Pokemon guy. No, I'm a GI like Joe Transformer guy. Sure, sure. You know, it's I'm a Ducktales guy, and you know, Ducktales was even like at the end of my childhood. Mm-hmm. That was pretty much the last chapter. Um, but yeah, it was fun to dive into this old stuff, the old games, and I really got into, like, started thinking about the PC games I used to play in the bay. I, like, learned how to rap and while I was playing PC games, like, during the summer in the basement, just, like, staying cool, like, not going out. I was one of those kids, that, like, when the summer happened, it was, like, time to hide from everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and come out only for makeout sessions. If there was a makeout possibility that you would go and see see if that would happen, and then if it didn't, you'd come home and then you'd play, you know, uh, I'd play The Last Crusade, or like Indiana Jones' Last Fate Crusade, of or Loom, 
or Lu- yeah, all those LucasArts um, games. Yeah. LucasArts games. I play Monkey Sierra Island. games is my ultimate though. I like all the Sierra games I played. King's Quest was Heroes my number Quest. one thing. Razzle Dazzle Root Beer. All the quests. Spa- yep. Space Police. Mm-hmm. You know, and if I didn't buy it, I I borrowed it, and everything was on like. Floppy. Yeah, the five point four, the five and four quarter. There's a kid in our neighborhood who was like the first person to like literally just start burning, learn how to like copy games, and uh, he could give us and he would say, "I can give you any game that you want," and we'd get all these games. And one thing I saw recently was Choplifter, mm-hmm. and then, or and then there was then I started going down that rabbit hole, and then I was like, Karatika or Karatika or whatever. It's yeah, called. it was Karatika, and, and the controls were really kind of hard. They, they were not intuitive. And then I thought back to my joystick, controls. which was like a, it was like a totally like fucked up, horrible joystick that I had that, that hurt your really, hands. The really narrow one the with the narrow on the stick side. and yeah. then a red button. And you're supposed to pilot like a Gundam. And I remember a, a couple Gundam games that we had, and the only difference was that they could turn into a jet. But the, all those games, Heroes Quest, and. The Sierra, the Sierra games and the LucasArts games, like Monkey Island, I've said, like, that's my humor. That's mm. that's where it came from. That was the beginnings of it. And it seems like Police, like, uh, Space Quest is very much your humor. And I think the, the LucasArts games, the only reason I liked them more than Sierra games was you could get three quarters through a Sierra game and realize you did fucked up <laughs> in the very beginning. <laughs> well, my dad, my dad sent me down. My dad sent me down. Sorry. No, you're good. Uh, my dad sent me down. He's like, there's a $30 charge on our phone bill for a hit line to Sierra Games. <laughs> and I'm like, Dan did it. And he was the black sheep, so I could just kind of throw you, him under the you, bus. Your brother? Or yes, how many brothers did you have? I had three older brothers. Yeah, okay. And I was like, Dan did it. And then I go off and try to look innocent, you know, paint a picture. Sure. And You're uh, the baby. I'm the baby. How could I possibly yeah. call a hit line? I don't know I mean, how to use a phone. I mean, that felt like so, you know, dirty to me to, like, find out. Now, press 7 if you're in the cave. You know, <laughs> and I just did that over and over. I did that with like every move in the game because I was so bad at these games, but I loved to play them, and I just had no sense of the, the world. They worked. made jokes about it in, 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 in like Maniac Mansion and games like that. There was a phone that you could call that would like mm. make fun of you for needing <laughs> to call it. <laughs> yeah, but I was listening to Tribe Called Quest the whole time, and and a little. And it was very. And occur- you're like ten or eleven at this point. Um. I would say eighth grade, seventh grade, okay, fresh, so right before freshman year, like 13. the end, yeah, and um, and I just remember that you know the whole summer had gone by and and I didn't think much of it, but I had been taught to rap that summer. You know, hmm. it was definitely like a Karate Kid wax on wax off thing. Where what do you mean you've been taught to rap? By by just I memorized Tribe Called Quest. I had a tri- I had you know their first couple albums on a tape and I played it over and over and over again. And I just memorized all these words and memorized these songs, and then you know, next thing you know, I, I can rap. And I didn't even think about it at the time, but that is literally when I learned to rap. And then I had everything memorized. And so when anyone was in my car with me in high school, when I'd drop them off or whatever, you know, they'd always have to like deal with me rapping along with all these songs that I had like down pat. But you're basically singing along. But I, nothing to the radio. was my own. I yeah, never thought you, of myself yeah. as a rapper. You're myself. just singing along to the radio, singing, basically, singing right. along to stuff that I liked. And I think PC games actually kind of put me in such a state that I that I was like ready to Absolutely. consume this new form of media that would change my they life. They felt rebellious in the way that they weren't the games in the arcade. They weren't the games on the consoles. It was it was kind of it felt like a lonely uh, but awesome. It's just like so many nerdy experiences back in the day before the internet. Was, like a, it wasn't like a lonely, nerdy, so awesome experience. Like just when you. 
you're de- you're depressed. And you don't know because you're a kid. But then you know you get alone with a comic book, you get alone with a game, you forget about this stuff, and you kind of transcend yourself. And I think that was I was just in a transcendent state, and PC games put me there, and I learned something while I was in that state. I literally think that's what happened. There's there's I I mean just in talking to you just now, there's there's something to be said about the the loneliness of pre-internet gaming in that <laughs> now gaming is almost entirely if a social. If you do it alone, like I still do, you're kind of seen as a freak. <laughs> it's almost entirely a social thing. And back in the day, I, I think you create ownership in having to do, to create those stories. And um, and the thing about in like talking about your music gravitating towards a character like Boba Fett or towards some of these you know secondary tertiary characters is that we didn't have stories for them which is why I don't want Disney to actually make that Boba Fett movie and why I thought Solo was a mistake was was we had created so many versions of those stories what this what this Kessel Run was etc and they were ours and we had ownership over them and and, and they gave us authorship oh. of those stories and in literalizing them you remove that you remove us from, it taught us from that mi- it like taught us mystery and it taught us like that not knowing was like kind of cool. We had to make that shit up for ourselves. I'd never made it up. I mean, I I mean the but weirdest you, thing you, I did, you did is sometimes the Millennium Falcon figures. would land at Fort Bragg. That would sometimes right. like well, weird stuff happened. But when playing I played. with ba- action figures, you you were doing that. We were well, we were so um, maybe you'd say OCD, but the GI Joe line was kind of built for that, where you had to have everything and you and you set it all up. And our and our plot line, no, my brother and I, Kevin, we we couldn't buy a figure that the other one had. So okay. it really did exist in the same universe. You couldn't have two of the guy in the same universe. Yeah, there can't be two Dukes. We well, we actually had seven Dukes. What the we fuck? Sent, we, sent, we sent a re- we sent away for Duke, and like we actually like sent them one proof of purchase and seven dollars. You're supposed to send seven proofs Wait. of purchase and one dollar. So they gave us all these Dukes, and we made them like clones, and we made his backpack a jetpack. He's a remember the bats, the robots. Like yeah, the yeah, I had a bat. Um, I remember you had to mail off for Refrigerator Perry and Sergeant yeah, Slaughter. Yeah, I did that. Yeah, yeah, I did that twice. And he came with that giant American Gladiator, like yeah, football football thing that you could smash you with. Yeah, it was on the end of a staff. Um, and you just created stories there. Yeah, well, I, one of the things Marvel really influenced my play when I played Joe Joe. Every you can kind of with this interview, you can kind of sense that things are always influencing me from a different kind of media. Wall it's all Geekscape. Yeah, it's all, it's all Geekscape. Um, so, like, I would play G.I. Joe's, but I would we would stop playing and say, meanwhile, and we'd run across the room and go to a different storyline. So we'd actually create B storylines, mm-hmm. and we got that from reading Marvel G.I. Joe comic books. And Marvel G.I. Joe comic, comic books were our gateway drug, my brothers and I, into comic books. The Larry in, Hammer in, stuff. In, in, yeah, into, yeah, into comics in general. So we that was the first comic we got, and that became Batman, X-Men, Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, Hulk, and all that came into my house, and we, we ate it up. Do you still read? Um, well, yeah, I'm working on a Marvel album that comes out next year, so uh, I'm reading very specific things about specific characters just to bone up on those characters. It's purely Marvel. Just Marvel. I just I kind of uh, I'm taking a break from the DC world. I did a Batman album, did a Batman Friends album, and then I did a Batman uh, Foes album was my most recent one. And so I'm gonna take a break from that. Um, there are some more characters I'm gonna add to that list, but I'm gonna do Marvel for a little while. What is it about Batman? Because he's pretty maligned and on this. At least in my book, he's pretty. I like. I love. Why do people like him? I love making fun of the guy because he's a psychotic. He's very weird if you think about it. <laughs> yeah. But there's there are things to like. Um, there's this one series and uh, where you know he dies and he time travels for a while and he's a caveman and a pirate. Well, Snyder and a just did it. Yeah, and it was super weird. And it was super weird, but the cool thing is that he becomes Batman in every situation, and it, it kind of 
boils down the essence of Batman, which is like this guy who doesn't give up, who's a detective, and he's like looking for clues. He's kind of like you know Sherlock Holmes. You never thought of Sherlock Holmes as the guy who got in fights. He's just the guy who like picked out who the villain was, and right. so Batman is supposed to be like a Sherlock Holmes that kicks ass, kind of like a Sherlock Holmes and a Bruce Lee, and. Um, you know, and I, I like it when he's a detective. I hate the only thing I don't like about his um, cinematic incarnations is that he's never a detective, and it's kind of the only place I think you can go with Batman is to kind of bring it back to him. Actually, like the games are fun because you are a detective and you are sure. looking at crime scenes, and and you know that's what it should be like. But because Batman is such an amazing visual, and and it's all about. Um, the visuals and the story and and uh, you know characters and cinematic effects and all that stuff special effects and I really think you can make the best Batman story with very little <laughs> with very little to do like him just walking around walking into a room going so, like you know rubbing his fingers together and then like leaving so is there an argument for him for bankrupting Bruce Wayne because um, I because th- I think that like well that, like, for that sure ends up I mean that, that time travel that time travel journey definitely you're taking thing you're stripping Batman of the things that he's comfortable with you know like all of his gear and they say his power is that he's rich and but I don't think that I think that's one of the many ways that Warner, I would love for Warner him Brothers not to be rich Warner Brothers like doesn't get it right right you know that his power isn't that he's rich his power is that he is as smart as Tony Stark and that he's also like a really great detective like uh, Poirot you know like he's like the world's greatest detective wasn't that the name wasn't that isn't that the name? Yeah, the world's. I mean, Detective Comics, world's greatest detective. Like, Isn't that, I mean, like his, he's, like they never, they, they never are thinking about that. I would they're always thinking about them. the villains and the relationship with the villains, and they're always thinking about Batman in terms of now he can't just be a, alone, which I think is a really important part of Batman. But now he's got like an army, a Bat army, which is kind of where the, I, I felt, I fell did. off. I yeah, fell well, off. You know, Morrison did Batman Inc., and I was like, oh god. Like it's just too this much. guy is a psych- like he's a guy who could literally snap his fingers and solve things financially, and he refu- he would just rather punch people in the face, and that's the least interesting version of this character. I kind of always want it both ways. I want to see a character. My favorite character is Hawkeye. I always want to see a character mm-hmm. progress. So I love seeing like Hawkeye being broke in Brooklyn with a dog, and he's talking to the young Hawkeye, and that's what the comics the about. Like I like seeing things progress, but at the same time, I like things boiled down to their essence too. Where if they always feel like these characters have to progress. They have to get married. And I know that's about selling comic books and stuff. But really what you want is for nothing to change ever. Yeah, I, think I mean, if you, if, they, if you do it right, you want nothing to change ever. And I think sometimes I see a, a Batman movie or a Star Wars movie or a Ghostbuster movie, I'm like, you really just want to see the same stuff again. There's, it's, already, it's already a pretty yeah. good formula. You just have to figure out how to match it. And without without ruffling any feathers, and and you know, I feel like they miss out on some of the really basic core stuff that makes these things work. And a lot of it is tone. Um, with Batman, though, I always feel like there's more potential because I, I really don't feel like he's a detective enough. And it's and it's so much about his outside world, and not enough about who he is. And I think we we lose him, and that's maybe why Ben Affleck didn't know how to play him. Because I mean, who is Batman right now? Christian we- Bale kind of. Like slam dunked it and kind of closed the book on it, and I think you, now you really need to look at it from a different angle, almost like how they look at James Bond from a different angle these days. Well, what about when Michael Keaton's telling Alfred to go out and buy the shot, like the, all these different products? Oh, like product a, placement in movies? No, no. When he when he goes out and he says he says uh, and he's like buy these shampoos and stuff because he he's a detective again. That first Tim Burton Batman. Oh, really? He figures out the poisoning. That, uh, you remember that? When, when I don't he, remember that. The very first Batman that Tim Burton did. You know, I guess I it worship too. that movie. It was incredible. And, I can't watch it now. And he figured out that the Joker was poisoning people with the combination of products. Like products, and he tells Alfred to go out and get the products and puts it all together. And he's absolutely a detective. Do you, do you ever see the movie The Incredible Shrinking Woman? Yeah, with Lily Tomlin. Lily Tomlin. Is that the plot? 
Yeah, it's um, I don't remember the plot of that movie. That movie is like when you watch. That was one of those Beta Max movies. Those are one of the we movies re- you watch when you're like kids. Maybe fifty times. And you're like, oh no, I'd rather watch Inner Space. <laughs> no, I would. Ra- I'd like to watch both. <laughs> you like, I got it. That's one of those movies you watch as a kid and you only watch it once. It's I like, drag my mom to anything that said Steven Spielberg presents. Yeah. Anything. She had to go to see it all. Batteries not included. Three o'clock high. Which he, t- which he took his name off of. He took his name off of that movie. Oh, really? He should have kept it on. Three o'clock high. Um, I discovered like on a TBS afternoon. Oh. And which is one of the best ways to discover a, a movie that no one knows anything about. That's another one of those lonely, nerdy experiences that are <laughs> beautiful, solitary. You're like, I'm. The greatest thing about pre-internet <laughs> life was you had this thought where like. I'm the only one that knows this exists. You don't even think about the fact that a cast and crew made it or that people have, of course, seen this in a movie theater. I remember, like, I listened to Dookie late and I played Halo late, and I still had that feeling because I preserved it in such a way that I skipped the zeitgeist and still managed to have a lonely, nerdy experience with this thing I'd already... When did you discover Dookie? Late, you know, a couple of years late. Oh wow! And I, I mean, I didn't discover pop punk until I w- moved to NYU, and then it, it became a really big part of my life. I lived with the pop punk bands and toured what with bands? them, and um, they were all on a label called Mutant Pop, which I reference all the time in my skits now. Um, but it was Dirt Bike Annie, and uh, the Ergs, and um, this is we, late nineties. This is the I graduated from NYU and met a lot of punk people at NYU and MC Chris happened at NYU but by meeting these musicians and them recording they would want to take a break from recording and then say let's make a rap song when they were taking a break, That's cool. break, a break from punk songs. And this is like St. Mark's like this is the, Coney literally, literally on 7th Street stuff. is where I would jam with them and right. but our but uh, yeah I would jam in 7th Street they also had an apartment at 88 Christopher Street uh, Christopher and uh, Bleeker mm-hmm. where we Record on an eight track. I'd work at film forum all day, and then wow. I'd buy forties. And then we'd, we'd come over, and I'd write the lyrics while I drank the forty, and then I'd record the song. And you know, the those early recordings were really like how everything started. And I had some really simple rules, which it was kind of like it was a postmodern satirical look at hip hop, which was like um, I say my name a lot. You know, my references are not the same references that you'd hear in a rap song. They'd be references to the things that I knew. I didn't sure. know a lot, except for no Star, fake, Star no Wars, fake comic books. Like, that wasn't a th- way of style of rapping. That was just the only stuff I had to offer that was inside of me. You know, like, I loved rap, but I can't rap about what rappers rap about because I think that felt uh, fake to me. So, yeah. thankfully, I dodged, the like, the wigger bullet or whatever you want to call it. I never thought that was something that would seem... Like I was keeping it real. I felt like I would be betraying the hip hop commandments if I pretended to not be anything but an asthmatic, you know, fat, uh, you know, privileged white kid, you know, who loves Star Wars. And I, would, I just was me, or maybe drunk enough to be sure. me because I was drunk when I was writing all my first. So you became lyrics. completely honest. I was very honest, yeah. you know, rapping about Obi Wan and stuff, and not even thinking about it. Right. And 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 again, it was that solitary geek experience of like because I'd make the music I'd bring it home and I'd be like oh I love this this is so cool what is this and I would listen to it over and over and over again and I'd be like I want to make so many more of these but it was that private experience and not thinking that anyone else was doing this or making this that made it so special personal it was kind of a I was suicidal at the time it made me it made me not feel suicidal Mm -hmm. it kind of was a force field against oppression was punk rock one of those things that that 
said be yourself? Was it one of those things that was like, hey, no, I think it was the pop punk. It was specifically pop punk and not punk. It was like right. a, ch- a cheerier Ramones based thought. Mr. Mr. T, T experience. They're my favorite band in the world. We, yeah, well, I was introduced to Mr. T, No Effects, Queers, and um, Screeching Weasel while I was at NYU because yeah. I live with Dirt Bike Annie. And um, it wasn't so much about what these songs said. One of th- I noticed a couple things about these songs. They're mostly about girls in love. But they're also really fucking intelligent. Like, they didn't mind, like, writing at the height of their intelligence instead of writing in a pop music style, which is kind of dumbed down a little bit. So that was really influential. And they also, it was, like, about mundane things like washing dishes or I don't want to take a shower. Born to do dishes, or, yeah. yeah, born to do dishes or I shower, you know, yeah. I hate shower days on no effects. And it was just, like, a whole new way of being real. And it wasn't even about rebel music because I mean there was um, Operation Ivy, but that was as political as my punk got, and that yeah. they're not that political. No, it's mo- it was mostly about fun and lightheartedness, and obviously you know there was like, there was that that dark grungy thing happening at the same time, but that was you know dismissible. And it felt and, fa- it felt like more attitude than anything. It felt corporate. It felt yeah. It felt like you're selling you know, uh, you know, pins. Like, Exactly, and I think that the hip-hop, though, thankfully, was really awesome during that time, you know? Yes. Um, and so um, I think all those things, you know, got Cuisinarded up, and, like, then after school, like, making music was just, like, something that made me happy while I was getting Michael Moore, his McDonald's and Starbucks being a production <laughs> assistant, you know? Like, right. I would work all day in New York on film sets and TV sets, come home and try to drink, you know, at college capacity, um, and we'd also make music. We also made films. You know, we toured. I, you know, I, I would make tour documentaries. I made zines for them, and mm-hmm. all that stuff I learned with punk bands is everything that I use now in my life and my career as MC Chris. Remember Maximum Rock and Roll and were you flipping through that? Or I was never a musician. I was never, and I was well, never. I wasn't. Yeah. I was a really bad musician in the sense that I didn't know De La Soul's real names. Really, I didn't know where they lived or where they came from. I didn't know song titles. I didn't know <laughs> anything. I just, listen, I just listened to everything I had it all memorized. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't even think because kids write me like sometimes they write nice letters, sometimes they write mean letters, and I just thought I would never have written a mean letter to to De La Soul and said. Oh, balloon state of yeah. mind is a real piece of shit. Yeah. You need to go back to your earlier stuff. And I would just, uh, you know. Yet everybody th- turned on Jawbreaker after. Did they? they? Yeah. I love Jawbreaker. <laughs> I know, in but college. that. Uh, I, I wasn't was a Jeff like, Brazil fan, but. Yeah, and. I so never turned on a band. I never like, understood what fans did. Like, I still when I went to a Green Day, Day concert I or still a Weezer. To them. When I went to a Green Day concert or a Weezer concert, like. <laughs> Everybody was just for the band. That's my only exposure to how other mm-hmm. people felt about the band, you know. And then the internet happened, and we got to kind of see, uh, you know, the dark, the dark side, so, the dark times. Uh, a couple things that I want to talk about, Chris. Okay, like, sorry. Like, how do you, no, you no, ask no, any no, questions? No, yet? no, I love this. I, no, I love. It. I mean, welcome. Geekscape's just a conversation, and it, and I, and I was thinking about your shows and how they're not because you're about to go out on a tour. You've got this new album coming up. And I and I'm like, you don't put on shows. You put on these parties. Is that okay? It's like a, it's like, like a mini. It's like a mini con. It's like a quick con fix. If you I, if you miss being around people that are like you yeah. and you want to have that con atmosphere, you can have that for like an evening. Because usually people are dressing up. Usually there's a yeah. contest. And this fall tour, there's going to be a contest. And whoever wears the best con, whoever wears the best costume, I'm gonna like fly to their house, and I'm gonna have a sleepover pizza party at their house, and I get to bring the movie. And that's what I say. Like these are musical 
friendship parties where like you can go if you don't have a friend you can just go to those and I in, well yeah in, I do in how many times did you go I to do, shows by yourself I've, I've and started you made up a friends. lot of groups on Facebook now because I really want to make it easier for these people to connect because so many of them have social anxiety um, but you can go alone if people say they're going alone I kind of retweet them mm. and so they can get some tweets right away and people can see them and maybe connect the groups on Facebook are for people to like you know pool gas money and you know to save money on the shows my shows are really cheap but some people still you know don't have enough money to go but I make it easier and now that I'm on antidepressants I don't give a fuck about anything <laughs> if, someone, if someone writes me and they say I can't afford to go I'm just like come to the show yeah if someone comes to my merch table and say I can't afford anything I say what do you want right you know I don't care I don't know how long this lasts I'm so happy that people have enjoyed it as long as they have and if you can't afford it, I don't care. I still want you to come because I really think it makes you feel better. I think it has a beneficial effect on like just your at least your day, probably your week, maybe your life. I've seen people get engaged, have babies. I've seen friendships made. I've seen everything under the sun that's positive that could possibly happen that's cool around a scene, you know? Well, how did the kid who was keeping to himself and keeping kind of his head down while, you know, he's doing his kind of solitary stuff how did that kid turn into the person who's writing those first beats and writing those first rhymes and like booze starting to get out it was alcohol booze. that started turning you around i was so shy in new york and so scared and when i that's think when you, i came when you, up with an alter that was your ego. undergrad when you moved to yeah when i came to nyu and i think i was so scared and i came up with mc chris or actually people called me mc before what? i came up with it because, because you, i rapped at parties but you were was, rapping other people's songs i was rapping other people's songs at parties because it made me feel like this is my party trick this sure. is my way of i'm going to survive this party because i hated parties you know right girls didn't like me i didn't know what my orientation was i didn't know who i was i just felt I felt like a little kid from Illinois which is what I was you know I think that's every freshman at NYU <laughs> <laughs> they're all from Illinois we shall just go to Illinois state and save some money um, all those questions are from kids in NYU those are all their well they're you know their th that's essays. the thing before the internet you didn't know how other people felt right about right anything. right um, every, it was everything was kind of a Merchant Ivory movie um, <laughs> and so uh but yeah, I think the rap really helped me, and weed really helped me, and drinking really helped me get out of my shell and um, shed some layers and some protective layers. And um, but yeah, I think my hero growing up as a little kid was Kermit, and I think that really kind of set in stone my ideology, which was I just want to make people happy. And as time's gone on, I now that I because I didn't know the nerdcore audience was there waiting for the music. Nobody knew. And that once was I the discovered thing. them, I was like, I want to take care of these people. Right. And I know people would say, Well, you should have been uh, a perfect person the entire time. I'm unfortunately not that. But that is truly what I want, and that I want to cheer people up. I want to help them forget about their their problems. I want them to feel less alone. I actually kind of work want to work against that lonely feeling I had pre-internet because it's it is I like that feeling because I liked who I was. But I know it drives a lot of kids to suicide and drives a lot of kids to, to Violence, horrible horrible yeah. places. You know, so I you know I've seen so many kids that just had all these cutting scars and and all these afflictions that they've they've um, given themselves and. Um, and, you know, my heart goes out to them. I hug everybody. I shake everybody's hand because I want them to know that, that they're touchable, that they're not gross. Right. That, that they're a human being, you know, that they need love, too. And, and, and I'm here to give them anything they want. And sometimes I can't, you know, I can't listen as long as I'd like to because there's a line or something. But I definitely like to communicate to them really quickly that they matter to me, that I think that they're awesome too, because I really do. It, it actually takes a lot of strength to go to my shows and, and bravery, because my fans, a lot of them have mental health issues. 
Oh. No, there went and, your uh, mic. I think it's uh, a little higher. A little higher. Yeah, perfect. That'll be great. <laughs> Sorry, and, uh, he, he a lot of my off. No <laughs> problem. Right. Sorry, guys. That's um, all right. But a lot of my fans have mental health issues. It takes a lot of courage to go to my shows. My fans have gone to shows 12, 10 times because I've been doing it 10, 12 years. Sure. Um, and, um, and so I think that's because it's a good feeling and it's something they want to tap into again. It's a different enough experience every time that they're coming back for another hit of feeling better about themselves, having a laugh, like, you know, feeling uh, exhilaration and endorphins and some of the things that maybe nerds don't get enough of. And, um, you know, it's a great experience and I hope everyone goes home feeling like it's one of the best nights of their lives only because it made them feel like they were their true selves for an evening, mm -hmm. you know. And a con, I think, I said at the last con I was at, wouldn't it be nice if we could feel like this every day instead of, you know, only feeling like this here in this hotel? Because we, we all feel pretty, we're not thinking about how we are um, deformed in some way. Sure. Either mentally or physically or whatever it is. And we just can feel like n normal people. And I think that that's a great feeling to have, to just be at zero sometimes. And so I try to at least get them there. And I definitely, you know, I'm a comedian too, so I want to take it past just basic mental health and take them into, like, happiness. Elation. Possibility. Yeah. Uh, humor, you know. I want to take them into better, better places, you know. How much of it's designed? Like, how much of it's planned that you're like, oh, or, or how much of it's just, like, off the cuff, that this is bothering me, this, I'm thinking about this a little bit? Well, I try to roll, I try to go with the flow. I do it a little less than I did before. Like, I stopped doing hashtags. I stopped doing, um, I stopped doing anything I felt like I was a waste of my creative energy and just sure. put it in the albums because I know that's what everybody wants. They don't want to see tweets. They want to hear songs. Yeah. And so um, YouTube seems like something you haven't embraced, like, on a... Uh, yeah, on you know, like, that's, al that's always been a problem for me, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try harder. I actually, f the joke I tell myself right now is I've moved to L.A. to make YouTube videos. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, it's like, I've come to Hollywood to make YouTube movies, something I could have done at home. Watch me on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> on your uh, phone. It's like, no, thanks. Well, I mean, I yeah. think people have always wanted a podcast from me. They've always wanted uh, a video channel for me and I've, I'm learning a lot right now I'm right. watching a lot of stuff I've never I've never watched Red Letter Media reviews of Star Wars and I'm having a great time doing it right now you know I love ContraPoints yeah. and Red Letter Media we love, we've, I've we've, just discovered YouTube and I've just discovered podcasts like we, 15 minutes after the fact this is your dookie we, 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 um, I like to I like to show up to these things late and then there's like so, 100 episodes for wow. me to enjoy of of uh you must remember this. We co-produced a film with Red Letter Media. We did a, a zombie documentary called Doc of the Dead. I love showing up late to the party. That's when, that's when everyone's drunk. And you can just have your way. You have just you, show up and rap. You just roll over everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Steamroll the evening. Everyone's already done the first impression Everyone's thing. done. You're not meeting their representatives. You're meeting the, them. I only like the true self. Because the beginning of the party is like, how do we break this ice? The beginning of the party is just me <laughs> <laughs> doing bong hits, trying to get the weed early. Uh, I look forward to this. I mean, you're leaving in a couple weeks for this tour. Yeah. Um, you're putting this... The, the album's done. The album is done. It's. I love it. Uh, I'll reveal on this podcast what sure. the title is. I have not revealed to anyone. Because the last one You was, want this nugget? Yeah, this I would love it. This is a juicy nugget. You sure. want to know what it's called? It's called MC Chris's Good Music. Hashtag MC Chris's Good Music. All one word. And um, I, made, I made an album without a theme. And for the first time in like five albums because I wanted to sh I wanted to shake off that because I have been making my albums in a very structured way like there's going to be a love song there's going to be a sure. nerd song you there's do gonna a be children's album you do a Freddie album yeah I ha I, I, but even a Freddie album I'll make sure that there's a love song sure. I'll make sure that, that it has something that's on every single um, 
It's almost like album. A, what, did it feel like creative Mad Libs after a while where you're like, this is containment, not creativity? Well, I, no, I like I, I liked repetition, you know? Sure. If you look at my cartoon pitch, there's a lot of repetition in it. I didn't realize <laughs> I people did. would not like paying for that. I did. Um, <laughs> I did not realize that that would happen because I just love repetition. There was this old Space Ghost episode where he's watching ants crawl across the screen for like six minutes and like, that's where I come from. Um, but uh, I digress. But there's something Monty Python about that. There's Laurel and Hardy. Well, like, I come from million, art school yeah. too. I learned all about abstract and and I learned art history and I learned that like you know and you see it in hip hop now. What they just they totally deconstructed hip hop. There's like no rhymes. There's no beats. There's b- just breathing now. Sure. Um, but uh, I'm sorry. What were we talking no, about? We were, we were talking about the new we album. But I love it. It was an album without a theme. Uh, we just recorded the skits with John Gambling, who's on Broad City and just did Ducktales and he does all this awesome stuff. Everybody loves him. And the skits are amazing. The songs, I, I just love so much. I recorded them and wrote them in the ca- in a cabin in the Catskills. And um, what? Yeah, I just like ran away from everybody, and I wrote this album, and I tried to figure out what it was. And it turns out it's a ve- it's just a very '80s album about like retro games. And it's there's some Star Wars in there, and there's some fast food in there, and uh, it's like an MC Chris album. But it's just I'm a happier guy. Um, and I'm in a better place and I just the last album was all about being scared and having nightmares and you know I've come to a lot of realizations in the past year because I've been in some uh, very illuminating therapy where I realized uh, that I'm a bisexual I realized I was sexually assaulted at uh, while I worked at C-Lab mm-hmm. and, and these things these realizations are kind of like affecting everything in a really big way in a good way and I think I couldn't talk about being sexually assaulted in my album about nightmares, even though that's why I was having nightmares. So sure. I talked about drinking. I talked about weight. I talked about the kind of the symptoms of being traumatized or like what happens to you after you've been traumatized and how you might react to it. And I think that I really just needed to get this evil stuff out and kind of expel it from my body. And I really feel like it worked. The last song on that album is about taking medication, how I was scared about doing it. So this album is about it's me on medication and what would happen. <laughs> right. And um, it's a really fun, great album. Like and a I, freeing experience, uh, it feels like? I, it yeah. Feels like. I, lo- I mean, I, li- I go to this album and I listen to it. Like, I, w- I remember listening to Knowing Is Half the Hassle back in Atlanta. And uh-huh. I would put on the headphones. I'd be wasted. But I'd be lying on my floor just listening to this album over and over again, being like, and I know this is a horrible thing to say to anyone, but I would say, I love my music. I love... Why music. is that horrible? I don't know, because you're not supposed to like yourself. Yeah, but... but <laughs> well, I, th- I, think, I, think that we're, I think we're done with that shit. I mean, like, I think... <laughs> well, if you... If you know, if people... I got accused of ego a lot in my life, and I realized that, oh, thank God for my ego. It's is it ego or confidence, it's, though? It's probably kept me on the planet. Uh, I don't know... You I can call it confidence. You can call it... Self-confidence. You can well, call it self These days I have none of it. And my therapist is like, how do we find this again? <laughs> right. How do we find it again? <laughs> There's the danger. And um, so, and again, MC Chris just comes in handy. It helps me feel better about myself, my place in the world. And I know that's a contagious feeling. And I, and I actually go to this album whenever I just need a pick-me-up because it's so fast. It's a tight half hour of music. And... Um, you know, it's really effective, and I'm really happy about it because I think it's people are going to say this is like back in the day MC, and this is like not so theme heavy. Even though some themes came up, but they're very they're very like my basic emotions, which are Star Wars, fast food, <laughs> <laughs> Atari. That's me. <laughs> and so I wrote an album about that, and uh, and it's cool because the albums flow, uh, the songs flow into each other more, and they also re- reference like old MC Chris songs because I wasn't researching as much. Which I did on the album like crazy. I like I read books about Freud and I mm-hmm. and I wanted to understand dream interpretation and and I do that stuff every album. And this album, I was like, no research. We can take notes and, and brainstorm, but, but like we're flow. not going online. 
Except for the Star Wars songs, because, of course. One Star Wars song I didn't have to go online because I knew his shit so well. And the other guy I, like, had to uh, figure Can you say who they are? Uh, or do you want to... Uh, I don't we can know, wait, yeah, wait, I don't we can know. Wait for the, uh, I mean, no, I'm fine with waiting One's for the a album. very famous guy. Sure. One's a new guy. I'll say that. Okay. New movies or new guy? New movies. One's okay. old movies, one's new movies. <laughs> Done. Done. And, and what do you think about, like, this culture of, of like... Uh, the, the incel vitriol towards like these new movies who again like there's the danger in authorship in that you think that you've created the damn universe but you have to resign yourself and say I didn't own this you know this isn't mine maybe and, it's just some like, of these people maybe, aren't letting go maybe it's go. just like kids uh, on dissection day with the frogs everyone's got a frog everyone's dissecting the frog no one knows what the fuck they're doing <laughs> you know one smart girl in the front of the class like does it perfectly pins the frog has no problems with any of it writes makes the does the notes does what she's supposed to do emotionlessly without any emotion emotionlessly and uh, you know so one person knows how to do it right but everyone else is just like tearing stuff apart to learn how to tear stuff apart but nobody knows how to really tear stuff apart sure um, you know Rose was a bad character do we throw eggs at the actress? No. Right. That's the basics. You know, uh, it's like... But they're, uh, not e- but they're not even getting that. Well, I think that... I think you, if you throw civility out the window, if you throw manners and just like simple, ba- simple basics to human uh, behavior, if you throw that out the window because you're anonymous, then, you know, I don't, I don't know what to say to you, man. All I, I mean, honestly, my first thought is anger, and then my second thought very quickly is... I feel bad for you. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't enjoy stuff. You, you can't, can't, you can't have a good time. You, you know how I feel about Star Wars movies? I love Star Wars. Sure. Maybe more than anyone else on the planet. <laughs> okay. <I'll laughs> but all I want on a Star Wars movie is for a spaceship to land and to take off. I just want to see a robot uh, go beep, bop, boop, and I'm good. <laughs> you know? Maybe a couple right. aliens, you know? I don't need anything. I need to see a spaceship land and take off. If someone, if you, if you time-traveled somebody from the late 1800s and made them watch Last Jedi, their eyes would bleed. You know, they just have a heart attack and die. <laughs> you know, like we get amazing shit. And I think um, the the last Red Letter Media review I saw of Last Jedi was actually really cool because it kind of looked at Ryan or Rian, whatever you say, as a human being that was just trying something different. Yeah. And he was experimenting with something with a toy that everybody just loves too much to fuck right. with. And that makes perfect sense. But experimentation makes perfect sense. And I, I love that he did it. Red Letter Media yeah. made a very great point, and I'll just repeat what they say because I've just learned about them. But they were like. Um, you know, uh, he wanted to make a Star Wars movie, but you, you can't hire these creative voices that have a voice to make Star Wars movies because these people don't think like other people do. You want to hire the people that make the Harrison Ford movies and that make, you know, Air Force One and, you know, the Taken movies. Hire sure. that guy. You know, because that's what you want. You want someone who just knows how to make a movie is competent. You don't want them to bring their personality. You don't sure. want them to bring them the, their, bring their indie feel to their movie you know because I don't think anybody wants that and I don't think Disney wants that and you don't think that we have glimpses of those people and somebody like James Gunn taking that to Guardians of the Galaxy that you don't think that the Marvel films have some James of that James Gunn is a fluke he's a fluke dude that, right. that's not going to happen a well, lot of you, times well you can say that he's a fluke but we still have Taika Waititi doing that with Thor but he's bringing some of his weirdness to Thor Taika is really stuff. smart he's brilliant he's a really smart guy so I think there's that. I mean, he he, can't, he almost can't make a bad movie. Right, but you but you also have uh, like he he switched he switched it up in the appropriate way. He because you can't just be he can't uh, you can't it, just yeah. be as subversive or as challenging as the last Jedi director sure. wants to be, and and with, without thinking thinking that this is going to please everybody. I mean, there's 
they have it recorded that he's saying, I, I wouldn't mind if everybody hated the thing that I made. You know, I just want a re- extreme reaction. I just don't want them to be ambivalent about that. it. Ryan Johnson said yeah, that? Yeah, he sure. said that. And I don't think that's what he set out to do. I don't think he knew what he was doing. I mean, you have to remember that you don't know what's happening around you while it's happening. And the only clue that you have is the script. Yeah. But you are creating a lot of pieces that you then go and try to put you, together you for a year. You create so many trees that you can't see that forest, right? Yeah. I mean, I he made so many choices that I think we all would have done things differently, you know? Sure. Um, but he made a lot that you would that you really applauded, too. He made bold shit and, like, taking Snoke off the board, I was laughing so hard. I'm so glad he just removed so many of those questions well, that I, people were obsessing over. I always like the, I always like the macro story. Sure. Like I love prequels because I think it's Palpatine's story. I, okay. li- I like the You're the first person who's ever told me that. I like the um, I like the new movies because I feel like we are we're gearing up for a a new kind of battle where yeah, this old thing was happening first order versus Jedi. Um, and now it's kind of like no, it's actually like Jedi and Sith are old school now, and there's like a new thing where Rey has taken all the Jedi teachings, and she's got the Knights of Rey, and then you got Kylo Ren, he's got the Knights of Ren, yep. he's, yeah. and he's created, he's got basically the First Order's arsenal in his hands now, which is, I think, a very interesting thing to do, because Snoke and, and um, uh, D- Domino Gleason, sure. uh, Hux, Hux. Um, you know, they were very ineffective. Like, what exactly were they doing? And what they had, they had this huge arsenal and all this bank. And what, the old, they were the old. It was an old way right. of taking over the universe. Right. And and I think Kylo Ren is almost like uh, a hippie in the sense that he's like the hippies were very into starting at zero and restructuring culture in general. Just like let's get rid of like making money. Sure, you know. And I think Kylo, I could see Kylo Ren being like, let's reinvent the universe, and only we can do this together. I think it's weird because we don't know if they're brother and sister or not yet. We don't know if they're dating yet, (laughs) which is a very Star Wars place to be, Uh, which is also a very gross place to be. Let's find that that out as soon as possible. I miss that aspect of the prequels. Let's find that out, please. That was what the prequels needed. Because maybe Snoke (laughs) is lying about creating their connection. Because Snoke has these, like, godly force powers that just... Yes. You know, the Rebels and the new movies, they like expanding on what the Force is. I'm one of those people that are like, the Force is good enough. You don't... Yeah. Clone Wars Force don't is... Clone Wars it. Force is, like, good enough for me. And I think this new Force stuff that we're getting, it's like, okay, but this is not my dad's Force. You don't want to do the <laughs> midichlorian thing all the time. Well, you know, I don't know about that. I mean, that actually makes sense to me. But, I mean, if the Force is a living thing that's moving things and pushing things and it's like when someone says, I have a bad feeling about this, I think that's the Force communicating yes. to those characters. Like, if that's what's happening all the time, like, what's your fucking plan, Force? I mean, that's what I feel like with God, too. Like, what's your fucking plan, God? And, you know, Christians will say, well, God had, knows what he's doing. Don't worry, trust, God. God trust, trust God. He knows what's up. But at the same time, you're like, midichlorians, what's your plan here? Yeah. What are you trying to do, man? What's, what's, what's with the giant uh, Bindu uh-huh. Uh, you know, what, like, what's going on? And yeah. how come we've never seen these creatures before? And why are they all of a sudden the creatures are mutating into giant things? I honestly feel like rebels. They just like I watch. Like they watch Game of Thrones, and then they couldn't. Then they made it a show, and they're like, "Oh fuck!" I mean, Game of Thrones. Yeah. I was, I just watched it last night. I wasn't even thinking about it. And meanwhile, you and Mary are like midichlorian free I guess those little worms that that, that what's his name that Thrawn had mm-hmm. that were like created like those bubbles of anti-force you couldn't like the force didn't I didn't know about this yeah, it's everyone's from, it, so interested in Thrawn <laughs> and they think Thrawn is this amazing character like I'm not him, familiar with Thrawn I only like him from the from the old novels that, do you think Thrawn is going to be in the next movie well he's they brought him back in the Rebels but no didn't they bring back that Doctor Who no any, did, did any they bring time, that Doctor Who guy in don't you think he's going to be Thrawn anytime they bring back any old characters the universe gets smaller 
anytime like, they bring any, up like legend stuff, it. anytime they bring up like legend, the old novels, yeah. any references like they did in Solo, like they did like twenty Legends references. I think that's lame as fuck. Yeah, and I think Easter eggs are like lame as fuck. And I didn't want to see Mall. I didn't want to. See, I don't want my universe. I don't getting want any smaller. Easter egg. I, I want, want an Easter egg free Star Wars movie. Yes. Can you do that? Can you just give me something new and weird, and I don't know where it's I going? I don't want it to be new. It's already weird. I just don't want. I, I, I want I, something old. I liked in Rogue One how they did brought back the sideburns and the mustaches. Sure. Keep that. Just have it be that no matter when we're talking. <laughs> right. I want to see it in the prequels. I want to see it in the future. Um, Sideburns and mustaches just make me feel comfortable. So, conversation with Ahmed Best. Have you heard the Ahmed Best story about, about Jar Jar? Uh, just the, that he, he wanted to jump off a bridge and kill himself? No. God, no. <laughs> Ahmed, who's a former guest of the show, and I'm directing something with, something with Ahmed in it, and we've talked very briefly, told a story recently that they filmed... A Jar Jar reveal for the third prequel, where he was an apprentice of the of of, oh, of Palpatine, I didn't know that. and they filmed the thing, but but George got cold feet because he didn't want the fans to think the the fans were in such a fervor at that point about Jar Jar being the worst thing ever. They didn't want him. They didn't. He didn't. He felt that putting that scene in the movie where he where at the end of the third film, the Palpatines walk into a transport with an apprentice, and it's revealed to be Jar Jar. That he felt that putting that in the movie at the moment would have felt like trying to course correct a character nobody liked into a character that people had to He did course consider. correct. He and did course like, correct. I mean, you sure. can tell in the music that comes sure. with Jar Jar's entrance in uh, Clones. It's like, burr, 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 yeah. burr. It was and almost like, like he was making fun of this character. Senator outfit. That didn't help. I think that including that scene and then g- would have forced the fans to go back and actually take that character seriously through all three films and you start to notice things that... And that here come, it would have given the fans back a character that they could have then oh, talked about for the next thirty know. years. That sounds like George saw Lost, and he was like, like "Oh, Uh-oh. that's cool. He, I, could, he, I should have done some cool shit." He scrapped it. Um, he, they filmed it, and they scrapped it. Wow, well, wow. Well, they scrapped it. Um, I don't, I don't like that idea. I don't like that idea because I, I hear fans talk about it, and then I'm like, "No, I think you should just look at Jar Jar like an Ewok because I think sure. he's just invented to be an Ewok in any kind of course correction, even if they film that scene." Or you, you said, "Sure, that, you said they that. filmed this the is scene." Moon landing, as far as I'm they concerned, they filmed the scene. I'm going to bring Ahmed over, and he I, I actually the have this great idea. Can I tell you this great idea? Sure, of course. No, we always have time. It's uh, okay, this is a continuous so I want to make a movie, and I'm just going to tell you what this movie is going to be, and I'm going to just tell you the whole plot and everything sure. that happens in the movie because it'll never happen. But okay, so three guys meet at a diner and one is like covered in acne and he's got his face is all red and all bubbled up and gross looks like he's just got the worst face uh problems you could possibly have he's got thick coke bottle glasses his shirt is like all just like he's been wearing it for a month it's like yellow and sweat stains he just looks like a like a mechanic he looks gross sure and so this next guy walks in and he's like transgender and he's beautiful and or she's beautiful sorry and uh you know he's got a flowing dress and but you can tell it's transgender and then you got this guy who's just got his hoodie on. He's pulled up. He's black. He's got just acid scar across his face. And then uh, he pulls out a napkin. And they all sit down at the table again. He pulls out a napkin. He draws a little square. And he writes, bank, like this. And then, uh, then they all kind of, it all, it's all kind of revealed that it's the transgender guy is, is Anakin. And the guy with the pimples on his face is Jake Lloyd. And the guy with the acid across his face is Ahmed Best. And they're actually the real people actors. And this is what's happened to them in their lives. And they're about to rob a bank. And, like, and all I can imagine is just like Jake Lloyd having like a shotgun and just like blowing somebody's face off and like looking up and being like, <laughs> you know. And I just imagine like, you know, Ahmed Best is just 
killing everybody. I just want to make the super violent Reservoir Dogs with these three actors. And it's all about how they just like want to go out in a blaze of glory, maybe rob some money and go run off to Mexico and live their lives. Uh, maybe they're doing it like uh, Dog Day Afternoon where they're trying to pay for uh, Anakin's uh, Sex su- transition surgery. Yeah, transition surgery. And, you know, and so, but it's, I make it really violent. Make them just like kill people because there's just so, I know this is really inappropriate. No, but I do fine. have this image in my head where just like Jake Lloyd's got a shotgun killing people randomly. And like Amit Best has got a gun. He's killing everybody. And like, you know, maybe because Anakin's a little bit, maybe he's a little bit more feminine. Maybe he's got a knife. He's doing some ninja stuff. You know, I don't know. The, the actor's name is... Uh I keep calling him Anakin. I keep calling him Anakin, and I was about to call him like Shattered Glass, which is the other Glass, movie. Shattered Glass, what's his name? You know, Shattered Glass. You know, the guy his in Shattered Glass. His real name Glass. is Shattered Glass. Build, the, the building well, a house. Wouldn't be great? Because I How feel like those guys deserve revenge. I mean, and Rose could like drive them to the bank. Because I feel like <laughs> like these people get so mistreated, their lives get ruined. All <laughs> no they wanted shit. to do was be in a fucking Star Wars movie. Which is all we all want to be. That's all we like, all wanted. Fucking Insync. We're like, Insync got to be in a Star Wars movie. That's not fair. No, it's fair. They, those guys did a lot of dance rehearsals. Yeah. You know, they worked to get it's on that totally fucking that fair. that, that uh, scene where they all get killed by uh, uh, what's his name? He's the he's the da- uh, Princess Leia's dad. In, Bail Organa. Right. You want you want to see Insync get Bail killed Organa. by fucking uh, Bail Organa? Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith. I'm trying to think of Jimmy Smith's name. Um, so the From thing, LA Law, everybody. But, but but what Ahmed said on this very show is that like he can hate it all he wants and the fan reaction, but that Star Wars got him everything he was on blue man he was on stomp or blue man group and he was on stomp yeah. and he's like i have a daughter i have a, a son i have a house i have a wife this is all because of jar jar so like what am i going to do hate it but then you know as well as i do that there's like we have these bicameral minds that have the, the the good and the bad and sometimes the bad creeps in and sometimes the good creeps in and you just have to stay present to keep from Vacillating so, too wildly between the two. Well, they really—I feel like these actors might have the best perspective. I mean, when they're not depressed, but when they have like positive outlooks on like sure. how their things should go, you know, they're like, "It's not a big deal. It's just a movie. I'm a human being. Yeah. I got to get up every day. I take shits like you, <laughs> right. you know." And it's like everyone's got to survive, and everyone's giving this Cosby actor a hard time because he's bagging groceries. It's like actors aren't gods, guys. No. Musicians aren't gods. We don't always stay gods. That's because we never were gods. You know, everyone's a human. Everyone's got to survive and you know i'm a very real person who's a very independent person who's like you know guys we have no money do you want this to keep going then join my patreon and a lot of a lot of my fans because they're an older group who aren't used to crowdsourcing are like get a job sure and i'm like okay if i get a job then it's the end yeah and they don't don't get it yeah and i think the music is actually really important you know, more so than any other uh, act in my genre or, you know, in the in the geekscape. Sure. You know, it's like there's nothing there that's really kind of making sure everyone's okay, that wants everyone to be okay, that, like, make, creates a safe space in a, in a live environment, um, you know, which is what I want to do, which is why you will see anger because I am trying to create a safe space. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm doing my best to protect these people and to make them feel better and, uh, you know, I don't know how we got back to this. No, no, why, um, why is it your responsibility? Uh, because um, not to say that you're only not because doing a great only job because they're writing me. I mean, I can turn on my phone right now and show you what emails I've gotten today or Facebook messages I've gotten today because they're like, and they all start out the same. I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't know who else to talk to, and they always write these letters every day, and um, I know it's there. I mean, I just and you know what's so easy about this is I just make music for me. 
and who I was. When I was having my lovely nerd moments, there was also like crippling depression and sadness and like loneliness and all Which that. I thought was yeah. like what I was supposed to be because of John Hughes, but it's not a great way to go through life, you know? <laughs> right. Um, and so. You don't get points I, for suffering. If like, I had like, been told you, you are perfect when I was young, that would have blown my mind. Sure. If I would have been told like, you're actually great at what you do and you should keep doing it and don't let anyone tell you differently, then that would have blown my mind. You know, because everyone, everyone, I got tiptoed around a lot, um, you know, when I was little, and it still happened as I got older, where succeeding was almost like, I've, I, I've felt guilty for succeeding a lot of uh, my life. It was for other people. Yeah, I, a lot of anger came at me, and it, was, it felt like I had entered a toxic room or a to- toxic situation. It something that I had happened to me in real life with right. kids and stuff growing up, and so... You know, and it happened with Reddit, and I think there have been times in my life where the reaction to just me trying to exist has been uh, more than I can handle. But thankfully, I I saw Galaxy Quest, and I know that you're never supposed <laughs> never to give up or give up, surrender. Never surrender. And it, with something like MC Chris's good music, is part of that message of I'm good enough and God damn it, I'm smart enough. Smart enough, and, and I'm going to fondle this person on this uh, <laughs> on this airplane. Well, how do you feel about like? Uh, it, like working and seeing like the realization of your animation and your writing and your music and your comedy in something like C Lab and then having an event like what happened to you with the sexual assault like like how bad does that trauma fuck up everything did it feel like you were on like a hundred yard sprint and this is it and you're gonna win the gold and this is what you were destined to do it and then there was a lo- a l- something there that tripped you, and it's like, fuck, here's life again, throwing this at me again. Yeah, I think, I think I have a weird gravitational pull exactly. towards things yeah. that, I, that I hate more than anything. Uh, but I think that, you know, when I was very little, I loved Disney. I wanted to work for Disney. I, sure. I walked to the theater to see Snow White's re-release. I, like, had a Disney animation program uh, for my little PC. You know, like, I, I wanted to be... Bill Amond and have make Foxtrot. I wanted to be, or is it? I, that one, that reference is gone. Foxtrot. Foxtrot. It was an old comic. I'm, I'm getting his name wrong, I think. But and then I wanted to be, wanted to make Calvin and Hobbes. Sure. I wanted That's to. I wanted to animate. I wanted to draw. I drew all the time. That was my thing. I, art class was my best subject. I, I got awards for it in high school, um, national awards, and got printed in Scholastic Magazine. And that was like a really big deal. I got accepted into the School of the Artist of Chicago because I wanted to go where Walt Disney went. I wanted yeah. to study animation. Then Reservoir Dogs happened. I got sidetracked by screenwriting and, and video and video editing and all these things kind of um, took me away from anima- animation for a long time. And it wasn't until I was at Upright Citizens Brigade that someone gave me a business card and said, we could use somebody like you and had Space Ghost on it. And, um, and I got pulled into that whole world. And I bring that all up because it's like animation was something that I wanted to do, but I saw it as like a childhood dream and I put it in the back of my mind because that's something that's impossible. Because um, Tim Burton was my hero. I knew that he started at Disney. I thought if I wanted to make movies like Batman, I have to first go to Disney. I have to first learn, take my drawing skills, take it to Disney, learn how to animate, and then I can become Tim Burton. And then I got um, went from uh, improv comedy to down to Atlanta where I'm now in this kind of weird situation um, where I'm living with these two guys and not living with them but like sleeping on couches and, and they got this big apartment at the Cotton Mill Lofts where Queer Eye is filmed now mm-hmm. uh, and um, and so they, I, you know we, we were in this loft me and another guy and the two bosses and it was like some of my happiest days ever 
you know, for example, there's Pizza Fridays, and I would go get pizza, and then we'd play Unreal Tournament. And I loved those days so much. I, I looked forward to them so much. And But I would get hazed and, like, so much while I was, um, you know, there's, the, oh, there's the ribbing. There's always ribbing sure. uh, during the games. There's jocularity among, yeah. As, as is, it's a locker room. As, as is, of course, how, it's, how that's, like, par for the course these sure. days. It's supposed to happen. But back in the day, I was, like, too sensitive. I was like, this is so much fun, but they're being, he's being so mean to me. Not Matt, but Adam was verbally abusive all the time. And I had always been told my whole life that I was, like, this great artist, and he would just stand behind me and tell me I was a bad artist and a bad... Uh, he just told me I was, like, not good at what I was doing. And it was just, like, I, it killed a part of me, that's, and I just stopped drawing. You know, not then, but, like, that was the beginning of me not drawing anymore. I went to, I, you know, I got assaulted. I stayed there for a while. Um, you know, and we had a fight. And that situation was... Like a coworker or something like it that. It was or? Matt Thompson. He was yeah. my boss. And, Fuck. You know these guys are the executive producers of Archer, and so, yeah, so this you're guy, in a situation where you're like, I don't fucking. I didn't even know what it was. I mean, Matt was saying a lot of weird gay stuff, and he would always make weird jokes. And then you know, I'd come in, I'd come in after a weekend. He's like, "What'd you do all weekend? Let me guess." And then he would pantomime blowing somebody, Jesus. and I would just be like, "This sucks." And you know what? It, it, I would think to myself, I "Was like, this is just like the rest of my life." I hate seeing the rest of my life in my this present. This dream that present. I've achieved is now like it's well, yeah, it's it, com- it comes with this. It comes with this uh, bitter, with this bitterness. This like bitter- you can't escape it. Yeah, and and a lot of that comes from being a bisexual and being seen as gay, and and I think that that made him uncomfortable, or made it might have like given him license to do shit like this. I don't know. I think that he's. I think that he's closeted, and I think you know he gets drunk and gets super infeminate, and he can, and he kind of chalks everything up to I don't remember that, and that was a blackout, and sure. I don't know what happened. But I, it's, it's so weird because, uh, you know, I told my therapist what happened. He's like, that's sexual assault. I'm like, is it? He's like, yeah. If you were a woman, you could have had him arrested. Yeah. And I was like, huh. That's an HR problem. And These then, and, do not do any of those well, things he, at work. <laughs> yeah. And then like the next day, he took me out, and he said. Um, you know, we can't socialize anymore. Hmm. And I said, um, you know, can I keep my job? And he said, of course, of course you can. But he also said, I don't remember what happened last night. And, you know, and what happened was he grabbed me from behind and he said, fuck me. And he humped me a couple times from behind and I ran away and he said, what's the matter? I said, you got to stop doing this shit. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, this is harassment. This is, this is, you are harassing me all the time. And now you touched me. And, uh, and I went outside with Adam, and I cried, and Adam took me outside, and he was like, let's talk. And all, all of his, like, let's talks were always, like, this mean big brother who was like, I'm going to tell you how you're fucking up right you now. You need to toughen up. And he told me to toughen up. He told me to lighten up. And, um, you know, and I cried. It was a month after 9-11. It was the first time I cried about 9-11. And, Fuck. And he was just like, you know, I look at back on it now, and he was, he was handling the situation for his partner, you know, sure. who, you know, they was- groomed me by... Give me a place to stay. Give me an awesome job. Give me a car. They paid my rent. They bought me a car. But now it's damage and control. And now they. And now, yeah. And now he's doing damage control uh, outside the Claremont Lounge. And I put it all in a journal. And the next day, I put it all in a journal. I wrote it out Holy in detail. Shit. And my therapist was like, "That's admissible evidence." And um, and I and I was it was really horrible to realize this because it actually made me look back on every single friendship I had had in my life, every single weird thing that had happened in my life, and I kind of started seeing it through a new lens of being a bisexual, and had people pick on pick up on that, and then attack me for that, or just not like how it made them feel, and so they had to you know sure they get uh, they had to react yeah. in some way sure um, and that manifested itself in a variety of different ways, and it made me kind of pretty 
made me pretty bummed out. And it made, you know, I, I worked so hard to um, have a new cartoon and to, to make something new. And I think a lot of that comes... And you're working on that now, a new cartoon? Well, I'm always working on the music more, more sure. so, but... Um, but you're still... So, you still I have this idea, and the main yeah. reason I have this idea and why I want to do this thing is because I just want to have a positive experience sure. in the animation world that doesn't involve, you know... Um, Mike Lazo asking me to take my shirt off at a company party, you know, like I, I don't want to have these memories. You I shouldn't have to have these. Fucking I don't. Memories. I don't like, want to have. I don't want to have memories of Matt buying the outfits that we're going to wear for the C Lab episode when we appear in. We're going to buy matching outfits, and of course, he's going to reference that we look like gay people. Um, you know, this stuff came up like all the time. You know, I got massages uh, a lot. Because I like to get back rubs at the mall. He told me he didn't do that because he wasn't gay. Well, so he, he needs to do some questioning. When 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 when, well, when fans come up and they reference because we got I got questions. When they say, got, they say the fan stuff in well, my I got, well, I got questions about people like oh, ask him about C Lab. Does it leave just a fucking bad taste in your mouth? Yes, you don't want to hear it. it does. It's like, all the things you hear about me, all the things that women said during the Me Too era were like spot on. Sure, like, I don't want to hear. Question, you question fucking, your worth. Yes. You don't. I don't know if I have any abilities. I came here out to LA. I auditioned for VO roles. I didn't get anything, and it made me think. Oh, it's because you have no talent as a voiceover actor. I don't know if my fans would agree with that, but that's how I feel right they now. They absolutely would not and agree I, with that. I don't. I feel like I have no value as a creator. I feel like I have no talent. I feel like you know, like things I shouldn't feel because I've definitely accomplished enough to say to prove contrary yeah, but that's trauma but that's psych- but yeah I'm psyched out into thinking that I'm no good and that I have no abilities and I have no skill and just not being allowed to make something there or produce something there to prove myself I think that really falls into the column of like they just didn't want any gay voices they just want straight guys with like closet issues to like make jokes about gay people and what happened after C-Lab is that you know they put Hesh in a dress all the time they had me like blowing people like and then they made a show with Bobby Moynihan called Chosen and that was like a gay rapper and all this stuff oh, I, all this stuff I think and you're stemmed, gone and they're and still gone, wrestling I'm with gone this and shit. they're still I mean Adam gained all this weight he gained all this weight after this happened with me he never had any weight issues before I split I split, he goes like that and becomes this archer guy. And, you know, I really feel like he didn't like that experience. It hurt his feelings. I don't think he can deal with that. And now he plays this character on Archer. And frankly, I couldn't watch his show, but he plays this character on Archer where he's like, he plays the gay character. Right. And And he looks like Lucky. And I knew Lucky. Lucky's a friend of mine. We're allowed to be ourselves, Adam. Well, yeah, like, why do you have to put your gay character in a wheelchair and then have, like, an effeminate guy's face on your face? It, it just made me feel like, what the fuck's your problem, and why'd you fuck with me so bad, and why do I feel like I shouldn't make cartoons because you I have no abilities? Well, I mean, you, you, go, you, go back and, you go back and look at that show. Think of how they make Archer. It take, if they have hundreds of people making Archer, I made C-Lab with one other guy. Right. You know, right. like, and it's, I don't know... I clean up that office too every day. Like I came back and I, I came back for like a script reading or something and the office was like this total mess. I used to like, you know, take care of the cat and, you know, wash, the, keep, 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 keep the place clean and like I left and it just went to shit and then, you know, they made a couple shows that didn't work well but then they had a show that was a big hit and everybody was really into it and it, I was jealous for sure. I felt bad that I wasn't included 
But I wasn't thinking about being assaulted. I wasn't right. thinking, like, these people fucked me up forever. When my dad died, I wrote them. I said, you know, my dad died, but I'm working on a cartoon with Fuse, and I just want to thank you guys for everything you did for me. I was not thinking about being assaulted or right. being harassed. And it wasn't until I went into therapy and realized what my orientation was that I could, like, be like, what the fuck happened with that? <laughs> and it's a long time ago now, but it definitely yeah. feels like but to justify, it's a bad feeling to have every day. But to justify <laughs> those experiences... And to just not fucking kill yourself, you sometimes look back at the abuse and you have to make it those years justified in some way. And in doing so, sometimes you you bury that stuff and just say, "Oh, that stuff well, wasn't drank. so bad." There's like this yeah. huge, uh, there's this huge culture it, of drinking, which allows you to look back and be like, "Oh, I'm going to be nice to those people who did it." Because you've buried those emotions, so that you I didn't can realize that I, I didn't realize I buried them. I, you know, I didn't. Oh, think you, about you may it. have drowned them. Well, <laughs> you may have drowned them. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't until we moved to LA, and I think they started winning Emmys a lot, or I just started seeing Matt in a tux a lot. That sure. I just started. I realized I was kind of caught in a loop, and it was like all I was talking about with my wife, and 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 then I wrote an album where I was just like, yeah, I think I'm having bad dreams, and I'm like traumatized, and and I wasn't. I wasn't in therapy yet. Right. I was just like having dreams of Matt touching yeah. me. And uh, so we're proponents of therapy here on Geeks. Yeah, no. Now I'm, I'm in therapy. I'm in, now I'm on yeah. antidepressants, and, and you know, I toured. With, I toured with Ninja Sex Party, and then I found out that Matt punched the lead singer of Ninja Sex Party in the dick. And yeah. uh, and we that, had, was, that, that um, was such a weird experience because I'm like, why am I touring with the one band that had with the with one guy had that's Brian had the same the experience had that I have had gone through? I like that. I don't know much about Ninja Sex Party, but Brian came on the show, and he was super fucking cool. And I like Brian a whole lot. Yeah, Brian was why I was on the tour. He was a he's, he's a, fan. a great human being. Um, Chris, I could talk to you forever. I am like you're 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 really echoing a lot of the reasons that I've done this for twelve years and created a place where people can talk meaningfully about pop culture instead of just giving reviews of things they weren't involved in. Which I always, <laughs> as a filmmaker, feel I feel very awkward. I see. I, I may just be seeing things, but like I saw Edgar Wright in the Starbucks yesterday, and I remember Edgar Wright not being so happy with a review we posted about World's End, a movie I love. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we've had we had Simon Pegg on our show and in our film, and um, but I see Edgar Wright, and when he glances at me, I'm always like, does he? Oh shit, I was wearing a Geekscape shirt. Uh, that, does he equate me to the negativity? Because it's as a filmmaker, that is something I never want filmmakers to feel like, or creators like yourself to feel like when they come on the show, that. They, they, that they're talking to anyone who's going to turn around and give them a two out of five or anything like that. Like, I've just removed reviews from the equation. Yeah. And only talk about things that you love. Did you go see the Muppets exhibit at the Skirball? Um, that got closed while no, we were talking I about mean, Kermit? I, I, There's a million things I could I talk lo- to you I about. love the Muppets. Um, right. I'm a big Muppet guy. As I said Kermit's kind of like my core. Oh, um, But I haven't gone to that exhibit. I have seen yeah. Muppet exhibits before. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't want to take my son to it because I remember seeing that exhibit when I was little and it fucked me up being like, why is Big Bird in glass? Sure. So she I don't want to take them to it, right. but I I have been to Henson exhibits yeah. before, and uh, I did yeah. one in Queens recently. It was really great. Well, so I, I just had to throw that out because I just went we can, over, we can do I a went over the cast. weekend. We can do a Muppet <laughs> cast for sure. Um, well, I want to shout out to uh, Andrew Williams and, and uh, Matt Kelly. I think we kind of covered the subjects you had asked about. Uh, we very much love you at Geekscape, and we're, well, I'm looking so forward much. to the bootleg show coming up. I'm looking forward to the whole tour, and we're going to have your buddies MC Lars and um, Mega Ran on the show very awesome. soon. They're going to be, I think, in October. Congrats, Andrew, on getting married. Congratulations, Andrew. That's um, awesome news. And uh, we'll have them on the show soon for those of you who love the rap. 
Um, but, um, dude, you've been such a great guest. We'll hang out soon. Sorry it got so dark. No, no, that's what Geekscape is for. Geekscape is Does for... Geeks, Geekscape have, like, valleys as well as geeks? It's, yeah, absolutely, because that's life. And I, and I don't want to do a fake-ass podcast where we just... Well, I hope we talked about enough nerdy about. shit. I know I talked about Absolutely a lot of nerdy shit did. in the beginning. Nerdy shit gets real. I, it, I it, try it, to like keep the sexual assault part for the end. But that's, that's always the, like a fun note to leave the theater it's on. It's the prism through which we <laughs> see the world. Like pop culture is our prism. That's how we see the world, and that's it's, how it's, we communicate it, with each other. I'm I'm like definitely more so a nerd uh, than a nerdcore rapper. I've always thought of myself as like a pop core rapper and I'm the first time I'm saying that word please don't make it a thing let's but, make uh, it a thing um, but you know <laughs> pop pop is always I mean even thinking about rap in terms of pop and saying my name a lot I, that's kind of I feel like it's very akin to Andy Warhol's approach to the to art as well and then he makes like Campbell's Soup and he does repetition and and yeah. uh, you know, I'm very, I'm very in the same vein of that. Where I just, I, I like uh, looking at it from a different point of view. Well, as a fan, I'm going to text Dr. Frank right now, and we're going to work on a. I know Dr. Frank. We're going to work he's, on he's a Facebook collaboration. Friends. We wanted to tour this year. They went out with Nerf Herder. I know. I asked both of them to tour with me this year. <laughs> oh no! I just we're, saw we're that all tour. friends. Though. We're all friends. I absolutely love those guys. Um, I did go to that show with the Troubadour, and um, um, dude, I love you. I could talk to you. It's cool. You like forever. the same stuff as me. We do, For, and, I, and that's the thing that's, that that I never got to experience in, as, a, in, as a young person. I never Geekscape met is, another nerd. That's why we built this Geekscape because, like, I had that job at the comic book store and nobody cared, and mm. that that was me in high school. And we, I built that's a this good gig, though. For us, it was a great gig. And uh, and if you're a new Geekscape, it's welcome to Geekscape. Hope welcome. you stick around. Um, I'm and if you're new uh, to come MC, to my live show. Yeah, if you're new to MC Chris, go to one of these musical positivity parties. Dual core. Lex, the Lexicon it. artist. They're two brand new <laughs> nerdcore rappers. Those are your openers? On uh, this one? Dual core. Um, yeah, they're brand new. And, uh, well, dual core has been around for a second, but I mean, they'll be brand new to a lot of people in my audience. And so there's some awesome music that, that happens at the beginning. We're going to have a costume contest. I'm going to, the winner gets a sleepover pizza party. And um, it's the 10 year anniversary of MC Chris is Dead. So I'm performing oh. the album from beginning to end. And I'm going to have a new album to sell you. Lots of new merch. I have a Patreon. I have a GoFundMe. Check it all out at mcchris.com. And I wrote down Adam and his package to talk about him. Uh, I covered, I covered uh, Punk Rock... Um, Academy. Punk Rock Academy. Wow. Go look that up on Google. Geeks gave us. We rolled deep here. Thank you for rolling with us. And we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Peace. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 